you are more than you see, for suddenly you come to the temple. I'm excited for today. I can't tell. Anytime I need to bless all the stuff and say all the prayers, I'm happy. And so, just uh, do that today. Now, today is known on the church calendar by a number of different days. I would like to point this out to you guys. So, this day is known as the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's uh, one of the oldest names of the Feast Day. We'll talk about why that is. Uh, today is also called the presentation of the Lord, which is in the uh, it is called the meeting of the Lord. In fact, if you look at the right on that here today, it's called the meeting of the Lord. Uh, the Lord comes uh, and meets the temple. And then also, it's going to talk here about the Gethsemane for the blessing of the king. So, also, so the church now, today is actually Septuagesima. And those of you who love the 1928 prayer book, like my friend Don Bell, in the uh, history of the church, there was a pre-Renton sequence, right? So the three Sundays before Ashland Day were also perfect. You still got to stay on time, you still got to have flowers, right? And so, because I'm old school, we bring back the uh, pre-Renton sequence. But this year, there's a conflict because of animals. So next week will be purple, will be the pre-Renton sequence. But Septuagesima means 70. There are 70 days for Easter, right? Just like Ash Wednesday is supposed to be 40 days for Easter, but I call it church time. It's not only 40 days. You have to take the Sunday. We do church time. And so the point is, we're gearing up toward that time where we turn our attention toward the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because the calendar changes every year, sometimes that's longer and shorter. This year is about as short as it speaks. So we turn directly from Jacob Mass toward the cross. Okay? And uh, I also should note that I argue heavily that Jacob Mass is the last piece of Christmas, and we all have a Christmas tree up, and we all have a Jacob Mass. That's my argument, and I'll die on that hill. Right? So this is the end of the Christmas season of the key disciples. Uh, officially, so you can take that from the city set if you haven't yet. Alright? So all of that is some preliminary, but I want to talk about this today, and that is the law and purification, because there's some background information that we have to understand to understand what's happening. And that background information comes from Leviticus chapter 12. So what is the book of Leviticus? The law. Right? And these are all the laws that regulate how the people of Israel are to live and most importantly to worship. So it's kind of a lie. The people say that how we worship doesn't matter to God, they lie to you. A bunch of Bibles is God's instruction about how he is to be approached and how he is to be worshipped. And so in Leviticus 12, there are these instructions. I'm going to read a little bit of a few. The Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, then shall, shall she be unclean for seven days. As at the time of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the blood of his poor skin shall be circumcised. Then shall she continue for thirty-three days, and the blood of her purifying. She shall not have been 
your coming to the sanctuary until the days of the future of God are completed. Now what's 33 plus 7? Four. So we're 40 days of Christmas, right? We have Christmas Day. Then on January 1st, we celebrate the feast of the circumcision. Christ the circumcised and his blood for the first time. And then 33 days after that, on day 40, we have the day of the presentation or the purification of the blood of the Virgin Mary. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would a woman who has a, a, a child be purified? According to all. And why would an offering have to be made for a child before? Particularly a so first of all, in the law, the sanctuary, everything has to be purified and cleansed. So the priests, what did they do? And they went to the sanctuary and They took off their shoes, they washed themselves down, they said prayers, they prepared to go into the presence of God. Why? God is perfect and He is holy, right? Also, um, religious teaches that this blood power of so they offer animals as sacrifice. Why? So we have this important story. We have Genesis and one time. What happens again? They left. So God by his mighty hand, the one miracle calls the people out of Egypt, right? And the plague came down upon Egypt with increasing severity until the people came out. What was the last plague? Okay, good. good. The death of the firstborn son, right? God says, I will strike down every firstborn son in Egypt unless you offer a sacrifice of a lamb. I want you to keep the connection here. Christ, our Passover lamb, is sacrificed for us. Okay, so you sacrifice the lamb, the job is the blood over the door grave of your houses, right? And when the angel of God passes over in judgment, he bypasses or passes over, well, it's a piece of the Passover, so judgment does not come upon those homes to have the blood of the sacrifice, right? And so the firstborn son of Israel lived miraculously. In judgment, God strikes down the firstborn son of Egypt. And then God says, Hey Israel, your firstborn son, they belong to me. Because I redeem them, or I save them. And so when you have a firstborn son, effectively according to the law, you offer sacrifice in place of your son. Effectively, you buy back your firstborn son. Now, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You get the thieves, you get the parallel, but all of this matches up. And so, from that ground, you have to know. And so, a woman who had a firstborn son, her and her husband would make an offering, effectively buying back their son. And then she made an offering of purification to be ritually pleased for worship. Okay? So, this has been observed 
in fact, there's a test. I put a little sample back here a couple weeks ago. It says a 40 day blessing. It's very picked up now. I can't even give Dan Harris credit. He's not here today. Dan read that little book, but he started texting and asking some questions about it because he knew that he was about to have faith, right? And so the 40 day blessing traditionally the church. After a woman had a baby, 40 days later, and the one of the wall and a funeral mass, which was taking the bus every minute, she would come to the church to be blessed and we would pray over her. Now, we decided to monitor her. We don't like that because we don't have time for sending her that. Okay, so. Okay, so. The point is, when the three months of the church, we would pray over her. Now, this was a tradition in the prayer book all the way up to the 1928 prayer book. And the service was a teacher man. He may have to go to his church in the window. Look at this man. That's your cousin. The church is a word, right? So when the great woman is in the place, pray God's blessing of them, which I thought was beautiful, right? And so the point is, this whole event here is surrounded by the history of the law. And so if you don't know that, you don't understand what's taking place. So let's understand that Joseph and Mary. 40 days after Christ is born, bring him to the temple to make their offer. That's the set. And so each day breaks up, you look at your person, you got a nice icon on there, you'll see the temple, and you'll see Joseph and Mary, and Joseph is often pulling two turtles up to get to that, and you see the prophet Anna and the prophet Sin. Okay, that, that's the set, and that's our event. And so that's the background of the law of purification. And so we have this idea of the Lord coming to the temple. Now, why might that be connected? I'm going to tell. So, God calls the people out there with his mighty hand. He leads them as a camp through the desert. And during the day, he leads them as a pillar of cloud. By night, he leads them as a flame, pillar of fire, right? And if, when Moses encountered God for the first time, he encountered them in what way? Burning with the fire of God, right? And then the people consecrate the temple and the tabernacle, and the fire of God comes down upon the altar, and the cloud of God overwhelms the people. Same thing happens with Solomon's temple, the concrete, it says, and this is why I think we should have come to the every week. Because it says that the glory cloud of the Lord came down, and fire was upon an altar, and it was so thick of a cloud that the priest couldn't even minister. And so, this is what occurred in fire of God and his presence upon the altar. And then, if you read the prophet Ezekiel, the people of Israel, they're always faithful, right? Now, they're faithful again and again and again. So God redeems them. He calls them out. They complain. They're unfaithful. They worship idols. They worship false gods. Welcome to the church. And so, this is what occurs again and again. And again and again, God brings judgment on them and recalls them. And one of the ways he does that is by the prophets, right? These crazy guys do wild things, right? And so Ezekiel, just sitting there, I was going to tell you the weird stuff Ezekiel did. Ezekiel is calling, warning the people of God's judgment, and he actually builds a little model 
of Jerusalem. So, so then I built a little small little thing and I got up in the town square and then I just lay down next to it so that my shadow overpassed them all as a sign of God's kingdom judgment. So it's not weird that it is crazy stuff. But they did that as a sign of what God was telling you. So he literally built a lot of Jerusalem right there and says, judgment coming upon me. I don't think it's possible. And so, he does this, but Ezekiel has a vision of the temple. Does anybody know what Ezekiel sees happens in the temple? Ezekiel has a vision of the glory, the fire of God under the altar, leaving the temple. That God's glory departs from the temple. And so the temple remains there, but without the fire of God. That God's presence left his people because of their death. And what happens to that temple? You know? It's destroyed. And before the time of Jesus, the third temple, that's the third temple, was rebuilt. And the people, there's a debate about whether or not they were going to leave the glory of the world of about the altar in that temple. We can say no. And so what I want to understand about this event of Candlelight is Jesus Christ who is John 1 1 the same in the beginning with the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. He's the light. Jesus is the light. The glory cloud of God, the pillar of fire that Jesus Christ stood up in John 8 and said, I am the light of the world. Jesus Christ is the light of God in flesh. And so on this day, what happens? The light of the world is returned to the temple. See the significance? The light of God returns to the temple. You see why the light came from this day and wandered around him? That's why. The glory of the Lord has returned to the temple. That is the point of Caleb. And it tells us this story, I'm going to skip some of this, some of this And it tells us this story of Simeon, this old man. What does it tell us about Simeon? That the Holy Spirit promised him. He is the Holy Spirit who is Peter the Son. And he recognizes Jesus and takes him into the dawn. And he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant part of peace. According to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have appeared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people in Israel. Those words familiar to anybody? Where are you recognizing from? The evening prayer. In the evening prayer of the church, the soul of Shannon, the word of singing are sung every evening, giving thanks. That God's light has returned to the world and is present with us in the temple. That we have God's light in with us. And Simeon says that he is the light for revelation to the Gentiles. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We celebrate Jesus now because God became flesh and came to the temple and fulfilled the birth of Malachi's prophecy. The Lord who you see 
will suddenly come to the temple. On this day, for the first time, the light of God returns to the temple. And we are thankful because as the people of Christ and the body of Christ, we have that light with us. And that when we are here from our altar, right, we know that the Lord is God to be with us. And His life is present to us. So we're here for that. He's got a lot of Bibles today. He's been used now. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, clothed in perpetual light, he's beloved son was this day in the city of the temple, and he was flesh, fulfilling the hope of Simeon and Anna. Grant that we who have received the light of Christ may be presented to you with pure hearts and clean minds. By your son Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you, and he gives you the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Okay.